Your arm is not short, so as not to save. Your ear is not deaf, so as not to hear. And, and so, Father, I'm asking you to raise up laborers for your harvest field. Raise up workers for our vacation Bible school. And, and raise up workers for uh, the harvest. That kids would be able to have the opportunity to meet Jesus and, and to grow in their relationship with him. And, and that they would look back and they would say, God, I thank you for that summer when I heard the gospel for the first time and, and I put my trust in Jesus Christ. And that dozens and dozens and dozens of people would have the opportunity to have the time of their life helping kids meet Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your word and, and I ask that as, as it's read and, and as I speak about your word this morning, you would open hearts and open minds and give new life to some, and, and build others, and equip others to, to go out into the harvest, and Lord, multiply disciple makers uh, from this place for the nations, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we celebrate this week. One person came to faith in Christ, and... Um, um, so, grab your Bible... Turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to keep going in our study of Colossians. And I'm going to read for us uh, verses 5 uh, through 11. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. This is God's Word. It was 32 years ago uh, that I came to faith in Jesus Christ as a sophomore at Presbyterian College in Clinton, South Carolina. And I was introduced to Jesus by a friend who was a student on campus, and, and he told me about my sin and my need of a Savior, and the Holy Spirit worked in my heart, and he convicted me of my sin, and he said, Dave, turn to me, trust in me. Put your faith 
in me alone, and, and I'll forgive your sin, and I'll give you eternal life. And he did. And when I first came to faith in Christ, I was under an illusion. I mean, I knew I was a sinner, and I knew I needed forgiveness, but I was under, I was under an illusion. I thought, when I first came to faith, I thought that once God enabled me to, to give up my promiscuity and, and to give up my foul mouth and to deal with my drug and alcohol problem, that I was going to be good. Like, I, didn't, I thought, hey, three things, God's got this, this is going to be amazing. And I very quickly learned two things. One, it took far longer to overcome those sins of my life that had become a pattern over the first 20 years of my life. It took far longer to overcome those things than I thought it would. And there were so many other things lurking beneath the surface in my heart than what I knew at the time. So I was so glad to have a Savior. I was so glad to know Jesus because I didn't have to deal, and you don't have to deal, with all the sins of your life all at once or all alone. We have an amazing Savior. His name is Jesus, and he invites us to grow and be changed by him through putting off our old way of living and putting on a whole new way of living. And that process of putting off and putting on begins the moment we trust Christ for salvation as he's offered in the gospel, and it continues through all of life. What we're going to learn this morning is to put off your old way of life. Now, to, to believe that, to get that, to see that we all need that, let me read a description of our sin problem by Richard Loveless in his book, Dynamics of the Spiritual Life. He says, Sin cannot be limited to isolated instances or patterns of wrongdoing. That's what I thought. But... Sin is something uh, complex. It's an organic network of compulsive attitudes, beliefs, and behavior deeply rooted in our alienation from God. Sin originated in the darkness of the human mind and heart as man turned from the truth about God to embrace a lie about him and consequently a whole universe of lies about his creation. Sinful thoughts, words, and deeds flow forth from this darkened heart automatically and compulsively as water from a polluted fountain. That's true of all of us. It's true of me. Listen, I have a polluted life. When I forget about Jesus, my, my normal old Dave pattern of relating to my wife, when I take my eyes off of Jesus, I can become distant and aloof from my wife. And, and when I forget about Jesus... When I forget about Jesus, the, the old Dave pattern 
The old day pattern of, of re relating to my friends. I get incredibly selfish. I get incredibly self-interested. I mean, that's enough about me. What do you think of me? And when I forget about Jesus, when I take my eyes off of Jesus, my pattern of leadership becomes one of control. I need Jesus. Not just to overcome the visible behaviors of my life. I need Jesus to go down into the heart and change the fountain source. And he can. And he is. And he can do it in you as we learn this pattern of putting off and putting on. And that's where we're going to be all month. Learning to put off and then put on. So let's start with understanding what does it mean to put off the old life. Well, look at verse 9. You'll see uh, that that comes from verse 9. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. So we lay it aside. We put it off. The old life. We put off the old life. And I want you to see, starting in verse 5, that this is a radical change. It's a radical change. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. This is a dramatic change to put off. Now, we see this illustrated in small ways. We see it illustrated in small ways. Remember Mr. Rogers? Mr. Rogers' neighborhood? Okay, he'd come home. He'd come home. He'd ride, I guess he rode the trolley home to his little house. And he'd come in. Hey, hi, neighbor. And he, what would he do? He'd take off his work jacket. He'd hang it up and put it in the closet. Then he'd take out his sweater because he's our friend. He's our neighbor. We're going to be neighborly. I'm going to have on my sweater. Right? Because you put off the old and you put on the new. And you do that. You come home from work. You take off your work clothes. You put on your home clothes. Take off your khakis. You put on your basketball shorts. Right? I was talking to a friend who's in the healthcare industry. He was telling me that during COVID... When he would come home from work, before he came in the house, he'd take off all his COVID clothes, and he'd put them in the wash, and he'd put on his home clothes. Same principle. Put off, put on. When I visited the Taj Mahal in India several years ago, there was a place at the center of the Taj Mahal where uh, the, the bride of the um, sultan was buried, that is where the whole, that was the holiest place in all the uh, Taj Mahal area. And when you went in there, you had to take off your shoes because you were moving into a place that was considered to be sacred. Or how many of you, when people come into your home, ask them to take off their shoes when they come into your home? My daughter, when she lived in New York, when she, we would come in from 
walking the streets of New York, riding the subway, she would say, take off your shoes and leave them outside and then come into our apartment because you don't want all that crud from the city being tracked through your house. Same principle. So we get it, right? We understand putting off and putting on how does it work in the Christian life. It's a radical change. It invites us to come and die. It's the only way that you can come to life is to come and die. Make a radical change in your life through faith in Jesus. So, come and die to come to life. And when you make this radical change, I want to prepare you that you are going to then turn into the wind of the culture around us. You are going to turn directly into gale force winds. So be prepared. You will come to life in Jesus. However, you will be facing the winds of our culture. We live in a culture that is radically individualistic. And when we make the shift to putting off our old way of living, look at what happens. Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, and uh, an evil desire. The radical individualism of our culture says that you should be free to do whatever you want with whomever you want. And the Bible says, put off the sensual, evil, sexual desires of your heart. What you naturally would want, say no to those things. So in the arena of human sexuality, when we turn toward the God-given beautiful ethic that sex belongs in marriage between one man and one woman for life, an exclusive, permanent union, and that sex is given for the oneness of that union and that union alone, and that sex is given for pleasure, and that sex is given for children to be brought into the world, when we say yes to what the Bible teaches about sex, we turn full force into the gale of our culture that says your body, your sex life, your bedroom is yours to do with whatever you please. And the Bible says no. It's far more beautiful than that. It's far more glorious than that. It's far more gracious than that. And some of you are here and you're saying, oh. And others of you are here and you're saying, yeah, get them. Get them. Get those people that just want to have sex with whoever they want to have. But listen, be warned. Because, look at the next word. Greed. You see, the liberal version of this radical individualism says, hey, my bedroom is mine and I'll do whatever I want in it. But the conservative version 
of this radical individualism says, my money is mine, my bank account is mine, and I'll do whatever I want with it. And the Bible says, no. Your body isn't your own, and your bank isn't your own. Your stuff belongs to God. You're a steward of it. And so, The liberal version of radical individualism and the conservative version of radical individualism goes right in the face of what the Bible teaches. And until you see the connection between both the bedroom and the bank, you'll never be able to make this radical shift toward Christ toward following Jesus, toward the Christ-centered life where he directs all your decisions and actions. So, where does the Bible, where does the gospel root the bedroom in the bank? And Paul's answer is in worship. The reason why we're able to make this radical change away from the radical individualism of sex and the radical individualism of greed is because we've come to understand the greatness and glory of Jesus as the one person we're called to worship. And to live a radical individualistic life, whether you're liberal or conservative, is to commit idolatry. It's to have something other than Jesus on the throne room of your life. And Paul says, you'll put off, you'll make this radical shift when you take the resurrected living Christ into the center of your life and you allow him to command all your decisions and all your actions and not the desires of the natural desires of your heart because the natural desires of your heart are a fountain of polluted water but when Jesus moves in and he's enthroned in the heart he gives a whole new way of living oriented around the worship of him. That's what can enable us to say no to, in a radical way to the visions of the body and the visions of the bank that our culture tells us, even though doing so means that we're sailing directly into gale force headwinds from the culture around us and our sinful natures within us. So it's a radical, it's a radical thing to put off the old way of living. Not only is it radical, it is radical in its relationship to the culture around us. It's radical in its importance for it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. Every single one of us needs a place to escape from the wrath of God that's coming against sin. We all have the same sin problem. 
And we all need a place of refuge, a place of escape from the wrath of God. And Jesus Christ is that place of escape, that place of refuge, that place where in Jesus, on the cross, all the wrath of God was placed on him. He was punished in our place. And because of that, we can be forgiven. It, this is a radical change. This is a radically different way of seeing yourself than religion. Religion says, I am going to perform in order to be accepted by God. And Christianity has a radically different way of seeing the world. And it says, I'm going to see my acceptance with God based on what Jesus Christ has done for me. That God took my sin and he put it on Jesus and he punished him in my place. And so I no longer fear the wrath of God because Jesus has taken it. That is a radically different way of seeing yourself and God than what religion would tell you. So we go into the headwinds of the culture, the bedroom, the bank, and we go into the headwinds of the culture when it comes to religion and salvation. So it's radical. Putting off the old way of life is a radical change. Not only that, it's relational. But now, you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. You see, the world is radically individual. I will do what I want. The world will tell you, have it your way. And the Bible says, no, you are in a community. You're in relationship. And your Christian life will only go as far as you're willing to relate in a biblical community, a, a church, a small group, a family with Christ at the center. And as you relate in that biblical community, you learn to relate to one another in a completely new and relational way that's patterned after the sacrificial love that's present in the life of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that as we pattern our relating to one another on the love of the Father for the Son and the Son for the Father and the presence of the Holy Spirit that it enlivens and empowers and makes it real as we're able to relate to one, or one another in a whole new way, then the old patterns of relating, aloofness, defensiveness, deceit, cheating, accusing, the old patterns of anger and malice and envy, the old patterns of living will be put off as we relate in a completely different way. So you desperately need, we all need one another in order to put off, to put off sin, to put off the old way of life. And this this gets to the heart 
of two of the important questions that Jesus helps answer for us. If you turn in your study to page 4 and 5 of your study, you'll see that when a person is one to faith in Christ, one of the steps that a new believer takes to learn this Christ-directed life is he or she begins to look to Jesus to answer the question of identity. Who am I? And community, where do I belong? And purpose, why am I here? And money, what is what, what is Jesus, what would Jesus have me give? And hope, where am I going? To put off the old life means to let Jesus answer all those questions. And all of life illustrates biblical truth. Has anybody watched the NFL draft this week? Started Thursday night. Okay, these guys have worked all their life for this moment when their name would be called and they'd be given the opportunity uh, to potentially be on an NFL team. For some of them, uh, they they, uh, expected it. For others, they didn't. But here they are. And the, the ones who were present in Las Vegas this week, when their name is called, they walk out onto the stage and there's Roger Goodell and he has a jersey. Right? And they take a picture. And the picture on the, has the front of the jersey, okay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then the back of the jersey, it has the player's name and their, uh, the round in which they were taken. Now, the radical individualism of our, of our culture says, play for the name on the back of the jersey. Play for yourself. Or they say, play for the name on the front of the jersey. Play for your tribe. Play for your community. But the, God, the gospel says, no, don't play for the name on the back of the jersey. Don't play for the name on the front of the jersey. Play for the person created new that is on the inside of the jersey. The gospel says that there is a renewal that has to happen on the inside before any of the changes can happen on the outside. So it's radical, it's relationship, relational, and it requires the renewal of the gospel. So let's see that here beginning uh, in verse 10. Having, have, uh, you've put on the new self, which is being renewed, there's the word, to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So it's not individual, and it's not tribal. It's not about Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free. What is all that about? The Greeks trusted in learning. The Jews trusted in law. 
And the gospel is neither head knowledge nor moral performance. The gospel is a completely different way of living through Christ, who's all in all. Circumcision or uncircumcision. The gospel isn't religion. It's not ceremonial. That if you go through the right, the correct rites, then you'll be accepted. No, the gospel is faith in Christ saves you and faith in Christ alone. It's not barbarian or Scythian. The Scythians lived to the east of Israel. The Scythians lived to the east of Israel, and they were a vicious, powerful, dominating power that everybody was afraid of. And the barbarians lived to the north of Rome, and the barbarians were a powerful, vicious, dominating people, and everybody was afraid of them. And the gospel, what the gospel brings is not power. God doesn't lord over us, he loves us. He doesn't use coercion and power. He uses love and sacrifice to draw us into his kingdom. And it's not slave or free man. It's not economics. It's not just for the rich or the poor. It's not just for the rich or just for the poor. It's for anyone who would put their faith in Christ. See, the renewal of the gospel is a completely different thing. It's looking to Christ alone for salvation as he's offered to us. It means to turn from every other source of identity and purpose and community and to trust in Christ and to find in him our identity and our purpose and our community, to receive forgiveness from him through the gospel and to receive a new identity. I'm a child of God and to receive a new purpose. I want to make him known in the world. This renewal, God works in our life. He's given us two powerful means of grace to bring about this renewal. One is the Word of God. So in Romans 12, verse 2, we read this. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what the will of God is, that which is good and perfect and pleasing. This renewal through the word is what enables us to put off our old ways of thinking so that we could not be conformed to the patterns of this world, the patterns of the world that we're flying, we're sailing into their headwinds. The second incredibly gracious gift of God is the Holy Spirit. So in Titus 3, verse 5, it says that God saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So God's given us the Word to renew our minds, and He's given us the Holy Spirit who moves into the center of our lives and begins to renew us from the inside out. He's given both of those means to make the gospel real to us. So this change, putting off, putting off sin, putting off the old way of living, and putting on Christ, it's radical. It's relational. It requires the renewal of the gospel. So this week and the rest of your life, I want you to daily ask Jesus to 
put off your old way of living. You have a computer? You ever get that, that wheel uh, of, of death, that just spinning little thing on your computer? Or if you have a Mac, it's this like uh, little beach ball, spinning beach ball of death that says, hey, your computer is not going to work. What do you have to do? You have to restart your computer. In fact, it's the first thing that customer service asks you when you call them. Have you turned off your computer and turned it back on? Yes. Well, let me ask you to do it again. It's the first thing they ask you to do. Restart your computer. And every day, we naturally boot up the old way of living. We naturally boot up an operating system that's opposed to God and His purposes in our life. We naturally climb back onto the throne of our heart. And so every day, we are invited to reboot the operating system of our heart and to enthrone Christ as the center of our life for Him to direct all our actions and decisions. And so every day can start with our Bibles and our study. And this week, I invite you to just four days this week, open up your study, starting on page 16, and just read. Go ahead, start in John chapter 11. And just begin to take in the renewing Word of God. Start to take in to the center of your life the truth of who Jesus is and what He's come to do for you. Reboot. Turn off your old operating system and turn on the new operating system. Do that this week. And then come back week after week to worship. and Begin to step into a biblical community because... Renewal, putting off the old life, it's relational. We need one another. And every day, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to make Jesus real to your heart. In Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, is a great prayer to pray each day. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Do you believe that? God wants to have such a close, intimate relationship with you that he would know your heart. Isn't that amazing? Search me, O God, and know my heart. It's not, God, look at me. Make sure I'm not doing anything bad. No. Search me, O God. Know my heart. My whole life is open to you. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Oh, Father in heaven, I'm nervous, I'm anxious, I'm worried. Help! Test me, know my anxious thoughts. Come and be real in my life, in the midst of my anxiety. See if there be any unclean way within me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Oh, Jesus, I, I, I put it off, and I, I put you on. Teach me. Holy Spirit, come, make the life of Jesus real to me. Father, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And oh, Holy Spirit, form Jesus in me. Give me the desire and the power to live not the old way of life, but a new way of life. And when you do that, not in a day, 
not in a week, not even maybe in a month or a year. But as that becomes the pattern of your life, as that becomes your experience with God, that you come home to God every day and you, you put it off, the old way of living, and you, and you put on the new way of living, when that becomes the pattern of your life, oh, the, the things that God could do. Do you feel powerless against the flesh? Do you feel powerless against the desires of your heart? Put them off and ask Jesus to teach you a whole new way of living. And as you do, as you do, he will, he will. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the work of your word and your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the promise of the gospel. Thank you, Jesus, for your saving work. I pray for, for any here this morning who, who haven't yet experienced your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy, that, that they would come to you now and that they would admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you in many ways, and I'm sorry. And that they would believe, Jesus, I believe that, that God took my sin and put it on you and you were punished in my place. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead and and I commit myself to following you. You help me become the person you want me to be. And Jesus, I pray that each of us, by the power of your word and the truth of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit, could be enabled today and this week and for the rest of our lives to begin to, to put off the old way of life, and to put on Christ. And thank you. Thank you that that this isn't a new law. Thank you that this isn't a new rule that, that we'll just mess up. But it's a work of your grace. It's a work of your gospel. It's a work of your Holy Spirit. So send him, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.